For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and we are keeping score at a time where the Washington Redskins at long last but immediately have changed their name, ripples all over the world, and at the same time, issues relative to coronavirus pandemic comebacks, closings, and the like. It is a big week for sports as it continues to be. Here are top deal-making minute issues, three to one. Three. NASCAR, IndyCar continue live racing. Formula One has moved its action online. The coronavirus spreading around the world earlier this year, Formula One canceled 10 races, moved the action online, launching an eSports series called the Virtual Grand Prix. According to Bloomberg, Formula One drivers who chose to participate raced against each other. In 2019, a popular video game made by British publisher Codemasters and streamed their gaming exploits live on Twitch, a video platform owned by Amazon. More than half the Formula One driver grid took part in the series. Now, on the online charm offensive Bloomberg notes, appears to be gaining traction since mid-March. The virtual Grand Prix generated some 94 million video views, including 22 million online streams, according to Formula One. And the sport's overall social media engagement up 30% year over year. What else would you expect from Formula One than this quick acceleration? Certainly. That's number three. Two. The NHL and its Players Association return to play and agree on an extension of their current CBA. They entered into a memorandum of understanding for a four-year extension through the 2025-2026 season. The decisions cleared the way for NHL training camps to open for play to resume August 1 as part of the protocols for Phases 3 and 4 for the NHL return to play plan. The opening of training camps in the team's local markets begins July 13. Teams traveling July 26 to one of two bubble hub cities, Toronto and Edmonton, where they'll begin Phase 4, the resumption of play, with the Stanley Cup qualifiers starting August 1. The revamped playoffs featuring 24 teams, 12 East, 12 West. The current CBA, ratified in 2013, was scheduled to expire in 2022, now 2026. And the NHL will resume under an atmosphere of cooperation and labor peace. One. Finally, Real Madrid signed an expansive omni-channel partnership with experiential services agency Legend. The deal sees Legend charged with overhauling La Liga's club retail business and comes as part of a wider revamp of Real's digital strategy. Company launches three official club stores in Madrid overhaul Real's e-commerce platform, which will be available in eight languages, and oversee a new flagship megastore, the team's Santiago home. Legends have outlined plans to open an interim store in the stadium 
and told the venue's $590 million renovation project is complete. Club stores in Barcelona and Mexico City will also be relaunched. Real regained full control over their retail business in September, taking operations back in-house as part of their $1.24 billion technical partnership with Adidas. First, Real hired legends to advise on Bernabeu's renovation in 2018, seeking guidance on how to optimize the club's commercial opportunities and create digital fan experiences. Leveraging legends' expertise in merchandising, sales, partnership, technology, and hospitality, the new partnership designed to significantly boost Real's retail revenues. And that's number one. Well, the deal-making specifically is important and themed to the global pandemic and its return. One of the key perspectives is one of the folks at Legends who's guiding the effort. Bill Rode has been a friend for a long time and is now president of global planning for the 360-degree service company. It's including global sales, tech solutions, merchandise, partnerships, international clearly, plus hospitality, and the Real Madrid deal is just one of many. The important thing to remember is that this is one of the companies that's key to the infrastructure development business comeback after the pandemic. Bill Rhoda has an interesting perspective. He's been president of Legends Planning. He joined Legends in 2011. For over 20 years, he's been involved in the industry conventions, CSL, uh, the business of all aspects of the uh, industry, including hospitality. He was involved now in the Rams and Chargers, Bank of California Stadium, the Star, home of the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters, and the Ford Center. Obviously well-equipped to talk about all of these issues. Here's Bill Rhoda. We're all talking about the $1.3 trillion business of sports, which now some would say is $800 million just because of the hit we've taken. Is it a Nike swoosh curve? Is it a V-shaped curve? Is it a curve until we shut it down again and then we, we go to heck? You know, who knows? But the bottom line is we've tried to bring you a whole bunch of different perspectives on the industry and, frankly, somebody who has had a tremendous perspective from feasibility studies to uh, economics, Coopers and Librand, CSL, uh, and now he is the intergalactic president of Legends Global Planning. Uh, I think that's the title. Bill wrote a good friend. Is that the title or is there a better title? Well, I actually like that title. I might change my business card, intergalactic president. That's good. Well, listen, you, you couldn't get any better than president of, uh, you know, Legends Global Planning. And, and clearly, it's a company that morphed from some initial joint venture work. And now, and I mean it in a most positive sense, you're all things to all people. Talk a little bit about Legends and your role with it. Absolutely. I, I think, as you mentioned, you know, Legends originally uh, started as a food and beverage company when both the Cowboys and Yankees started to think about how they wanted to reinvent the food experience, the hospitality experience at their new buildings. Uh, they joined at the hip along with Goldman Sachs um, back in, that would have been around 2008, um, 2009 as those buildings were opening. Um, upon opening of those buildings, they started to look around the industry and say, what else can we do? Because we have a lot of thought leaders uh, very successful people in the business. They had opened up Yankee Stadium. Uh, you open, opened up AT&T Stadium. 
Um, so really the, the Cowboys sales crew started to look around and say, you know, there's a group like Bill Roden, CSO marketing group. And, you know, if they can do outsource sales, we can do it too. So real quickly, Legends turned into a, an outsource sales company. Uh, they acquired us in 2011. Uh, so we still operate CSL International under that banner. Um, right now we have really about five different verticals. We have the food and beverage uh, everywhere from AT&T Stadium, Yankee Stadium, Prudential Center, uh, the Sacramento Kings Arena, uh, LAFC's uh, Stadium, the Rams' new project, all of the Live Nation amphitheaters, and we're also international. Uh, we do Etihad, Man City Stadium as well. We have the Global Planning Group, which is my group, which is the traditional feasibility study, CSL International. Uh, we have a technology group that's integrated into that. And then about six years ago, we started the project management, the owner's rep business. And in that short time, uh, we've opened up D.C. United Stadium, Audi Field. Uh, we opened up LAFC's Bank of California Stadium. Right now, we're working with Inter Miami on their building, working with the Columbus crew on their building. And we oversee uh, the Rams' 4 to $5 billion project out in Inglewood, little project. Uh, also did the $200 million renovation at uh, Phillips Arena, uh, which became State Farm Arena in, in Atlanta. So that's the global planning, global sales I mentioned, where we do outsource sales, doing all the, uh, all the sales for the Raiders in their new building at Allegiant, which includes everything from the seats to the suites to the founding partnerships to the naming rights, doing the exact same work for uh, the Rams and Chargers at SoFi Stadium, where we sold the largest naming rights deal in the country to smaller university projects, not really smaller, but, you know, we're handling all the sales and the project management at San Diego State. We handle all the sales for Notre Dame. We did OU, USC. So it's a collection of assets. Um, we have our attractions business. That's another vertical. Uh, that really started with our entry into the attraction world of investing about $90 million into the One World Observatory. So we took the top three floors of the One World Observatory in New York City, uh, the observation deck, and we run it like a, a sports team where we're looking to sell tickets, attractions, and we've created a world-class attraction because of our experience there and the success. We've had a number of people from around the world call us to op uh, operate their observation decks, which led us to operate operating the Shard, which is the largest building in observation deck in Europe. Um, and then we started a, a technology, global technology solutions that helps people think the technology needs of a team, how you monetize it, digitize it, everything that's involved with that. So we've become a very, um, very multifaceted company that once started as food and beverage, but now has a lot of different aspects to it. And uh, Bill Roto can remember every single client he has today it is probably the best summary of any vertically integrated entity in the sports business I've ever heard. We're going to rack that up. We're going to save it for hundreds of times because it is clearly one of the best uh, stories that we've heard. But now let's talk uh, maybe something a little more difficult, which is uh, a lot of those are obviously, uh, for example, the Rams and Chargers. We know that uh, they were originally uh, having a Taylor Swift concert in July and then push to a Rams and or Chargers game preseason in August. We know we're going to have a Monday night game. Uh, it's hard because nobody knows really the full impact of COVID. Uh, and uh, let, let's talk about event planning 
in the pandemic first, and we'll talk about safe stadiums. What, what do you what, what how do you how do you pivot? Uh, just give us kind of overarching perspective on on what the pandemic has meant to your business plan. Well, um, you know, from the from the project management side, it hasn't meant a whole lot. We have projects like we are overseeing the renovation of the Superdome, the Mercedes Superdome. So that all continues on all of our existing PM projects. Obviously, your pipeline for new projects is quite a bit slower. There's not a lot that's going to come out of the ground from the feasibility perspective. You know, we, we had a pretty full pipeline, uh, full work workload, and that has still continued, believe it or not. We still continue to get new projects. So we do still see positive attitudes in the industry of, you know, they know this is a temporary issue. And at some point, whether we have a vaccine or we have a therapeutic drug or it somehow just disappears, which we don't think is the case, um, you know, a lot of our clients are actually seeing past that. So that, continue, you know, it's not obviously it's not the level of business where it was a year ago, um, but, you know, we're still operating and we're operating successfully. So it's impacted us, but not tremendously on my side of the business. And the good thing, I guess, about that is that uh, you said your clients are looking past it. That, that's really the key to all of this. Uh, being in the long game uh, is, a, is, is, is critical to all of this. We all understand that uh, the economy uh, needs sports. What have we learned during the pandemic relative to fans and television? You're only indirectly involved, but in some ways you are also. We have studies out there that say fans are not coming back until a vaccine. We have other studies that say the safer the stadium, the more likely fans would come back under this scenario. Where are we with all of that? You know, I, I think that's I think you're 100 percent accurate on what you, you know, both spectrums that you said, you know, from the research we've done ourselves. Um, we've even done some surveys this, you know, where the younger people aren't at all impacted. They're ready to go back. I think it's, you know, the people who are over 50, 60, they may have health conditions. They need to think twice about what type of environment they want to put themselves in. I've seen surveys that say, you know, 70% of the fans are worried about coming back. We know they're all going to come back at some point. It's a matter of when and what condition we do know that, you know, I think the environment that these buildings are going to operate post-COVID is going to be very different than they were pre-COVID. No different than these buildings and really all our life from a security standpoint operated pre-9-11 to post-9-11. I think we may see this. We may see some same parallels to COVID from us from a cleaning perspective and how people approach masks, how they approach large gatherings, how they approach hand wipes. I, mean, I think all that's going to change dramatically. And so uh, the, the stadiums of the future, I guess it's, the, it's not only the physical aspect of the, of the congregation, but now how do you also reconcile, as a guy in the industry, uh, fans for the near future who are avid, we know that because we know they're season ticket holders for years, but they may not be able to get access to the stadium itself for their regular season games when they start, depending on what sport you have. Are there ways to generate some additional content to keep those people happy uh, and kind of separate from the normal fan on TV? Does that fan feel special in some context? What are the creative ways to deal with that situation? Well, you know, I think one of the things you're seeing the teams do is, is stay in touch, direct contact a little bit more than they have in the past. Um, you know, I also think that you may see some fans who aren't necessarily upset that they don't have to go and they don't have to buy their tickets, but yet 
you know, their tickets are saved for next year. I think when you when, when we see where these teams come out this fall on how they're going to do their ticketing programs, I think we all know not 100% of the, of the season ticket holder is going to have the ability to go to all the games. They're going to have to uh, figure out a, a program that gives the season ticket holders first rights and then potentially open it up. And I don't see, I don't think you're going to see many non-season ticket holders at these built at these buildings. So they're not going to have their full plate of events that they're used to. I think they'll probably have select invitational opportunities that non-season ticket holders don't. Uh, and the teams are going to have to work hard to stay in contact with the season ticket base because obviously that's the the blood of any team is the season ticket base. And right now, you know, some of these people are going to take a year off and they might start deciding, uh, okay, I don't know if I really needed to buy those tickets. One of the things I've noticed, maybe you can kind of react to this, is um, as we've gotten live sports back and everybody had such agita about what fans would mean or not mean in stadiums as far as the television experience and the golf tournaments, fans or no fans, I found that the – the live sports is so important and relieving to people that fans uh, from that perspective are almost secondary. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, I think live sports is critically important to everybody. I mean, it brings communities together. Um, it, it's a topic that people want to talk about. I mean, you know, when those first two golf events, the, the um, skins game they had, and then when Tiger and Phil were on, I mean, everybody was so excited to actually watch something that was live. And now you have MLS that came out, I think, last night or the night before, and baseball and basketball are soon going to be coming. It's going to help with where we're at with the pandemic for sure. I think people's attitudes will become a little more positive. you know. And I think it's important for the economy and for the country to see these teams and these leagues moving forward. And then finally, Bill, from your perspective, hard question, but uh, you know, kick it around anyway. Uh, five years from now, what, what does the business look like, broadly defined, pandemic either, you know, three years in the rearview mirror, four years in the rearview mirror or not? Uh, uh, is is sports change forever? And if so, what part of it? Well, let's first of all hope that it's not – let's hope that it's four years removed, not three. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I think I two years of no fans could have a significant impact on a lot of businesses and a lot of teams. I, I, don't, I don't really know what it's going to look like in five years. I think we as the entire country have to think about how we're better prepared for a pandemic and how you react to it um, better than we have, you know, with this situation. I think the leagues are going to think different about it. I think the buildings are going to be maintained differently. I know if you go in AT&T Stadium, you know, they clean it like, you know, they know that Jerry's going to walk in there at any point in time. The one thing most of these buildings have not done is they've not been clean for bacteria. And, you know, with the pandemic, that's on everybody's mind. So I think that's one of the one of the areas that even in five years, uh, we're going to see, you know, things have changed a little bit differently. Like I said before, no different than security after 9-11. Yeah, and I think that's a really, really good perspective. And the bottom line is we don't know, but uh, to the creative and to, to the nimble, um, the, the whole industry is a great opportunity. Uh, Bill Rhoda certainly really important to the future of the business. Well, Bill Rhoda has a number of perspectives that mirror others we've talked to in the industry. The key, coming back, maximizing revenues, and continuing the market stability. Welcome into the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Horo. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. Last week, China canceled all international sporting events through 2020. 
but that didn't include League of Legends Worlds. The biggest esports event, by viewership and by scope, Worlds is an annual month-long spectacle. The plan this year, the 10th anniversary of the event, was to move across six Chinese cities. Now the coronavirus has forced the event to be centralized to a bubble in Shanghai. Many thought the event would have to be cancelled, and it still might be. Even if not cancelled, with current trends, there's a more realistic chance that North American teams may not be able to compete while other regions congregate in Shanghai. So why did Worlds get an exception while other sporting events were cancelled? Because it's arguably the biggest sporting event in China. No, Worlds doesn't have larger viewership than the Super Bowl, despite that claim being regurgitated across big publications and pitch decks. That faulty claim actually came from the way viewership is tracked on streaming sites versus on broadcast TV. Now that Nielsen has gotten involved in esports over the last year, we saw that Worlds in 2019 had an accurate viewership of 21.8 million. That's about one-fifth of the Super Bowl that year. While it doesn't beat the Super Bowl, Worlds viewership did beat out an average NBA Finals game at 15.4 million or the 2019 World Series at 8.4 million. Considering most of those viewers are in China, the Chinese government was willing to do whatever it took to make this event a reality this year. As of now, Worlds is set to be held, but as everyone in sports knows, it's far from a certainty these days. That's it for the Esports Minute. Now back to Recora. Now let's go to Tech, your Sports Tech Minute. Not surprisingly, being stuck at home has accelerated video streaming. It's analyzing how the pandemic has hastened already fast-growing video streaming behavior. The video advertising bureaus navigating the flood, charting your way through today's streaming ecosystem. A report that found out that in April... Over 72 million homes used connected TV, compared to 64 million the previous April. Other findings show that during the pandemic, accessing video on demand on smart TVs grew significantly compared to overall app use. A 74% increase in app usage compared to 20% all app usage. Seeing a record number of consumers experiment with the new OTT service as a result of COVID-19 and the shifts in strategy and industries. OTT services are offering extended free trials to build up engagement. And 8% of U.S. broadband households report they've subscribed to at least one new OTT service since the COVID-19 crisis began. And if content producers are unable to resume no programming production come fall, look for these numbers to continue to climb as viewers seek out new old programs. And that's your Sports Tech Minute. Let's look at sports philanthropy this week with the power of Sports Minute, understanding that we usually focus on one or two things during the pandemic. It's got to be more. Colin Kaepernick featured in an exclusive docuseries produced by ESPN Films as part of a first look deal with Disney. The partnership focuses on telling scripted and unscripted stories that explore race, social injustice, and the quest for equity. The series includes new interviews and other never-before-seen elements as part of the docuseries. And the way it starts, fittingly, Colin Kaepernick. The WNBA and its players launched a new social justice platform. The Women's National Basketball Association and the players and the WNBA announced the new platform called the Justice Movement. Opening weekend, teams will wear special uniforms to seek justice for women and girls, including Sandra Bland, Vanessa Guillen, Breonna Taylor, and so many others who have been victims of police brutality and racial violence. Step aside, Walmart. Summer brings NBC Sports Camp, powered by Chelsea Piers, a free virtual summer program for 7- to 12-year-olds to learn to play a variety of sports. According to Synopsis, the four-week online video on-demand program offers immersive instruction across more than 10 sports, 
hosted by NBC Sports correspondent Corey Robinson. And then finally, L.A. may be shut down as a COVID-19 hotspot, but it hasn't stopped the L.A. Bowl from helping Angelinos. It's the newest college bowl game at SoFi Stadium, teaming with Los Angeles-based organizations to help aid families and youth in need. At this point, it's unclear when SoFi Stadium will be able to host any kind of sports or entertainment event, let alone a college bowl game, but certainly the L.A. Bowl has continued its charitable start right out of the box. That's your sports philanthropy moment. Well, we'd like to thank Bill Rhoda for giving his international perspective. We'd like to thank all of those who put the show together. We'd like to thank you for listening and joining. And won't you join us next week when we continue to keep score? Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.